Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And in this series on the book of Revelation, we're studying it to see how it reveals the future events in chronological order. We see that after the church age is revealed in chapters 2 and 3, and if you want to see how that is, check out my book called A Panorama of Prophecy. Um, after that church age is revealed in chapters 2 and 3, John is raptured to heaven. And he's transported into the future as the future day of the Lord, tribulation, is about to begin. And in chapters 4 and 5, he sees the raptured church in heaven, represented by the 24 elders. And he watches as Christ, the Lamb of God, and the Lion of Judah, takes the scroll with seven seals and prepares to open it. And this is a very dramatic scene because this is the title deed of the earth. And by opening it, Christ will prove that he is the legal owner and possessor of the earth because he has redeemed it with his blood. And therefore, he's re not just redeemed the earth, he's also redeemed all the inhabitants of the earth by his blood. And by opening the deed and demonstrating that fact, he established his right, his right to forcefully take possession of the earth and judge those who are in rebellion against him. And so the act of breaking the seals and opening the scroll initiates his judgments against every realm of the world system. And so we see that as he breaks the first six seals in Revelation 6, in quick succession, right at the start of the tribulation, we see a different part of the world system fall into chaos under the power of darkness. This is because his judgments under the first six seals comprise in him removing his hand of mercy and grace from the world system, allowing evil, chaos and destruction to increase. Really, he's actually just giving the world what it says it wants. It's been saying to God, get out of our affairs, get out of our politics, get out of our education, get out of our life, leave us alone, let us do it our way. And at some point God will say, okay, and he will give the world up to what they want, their independence from God. But without God, there is no goodness, no light, no peace, no happiness. He's the source of love. And so without God, it's just destruction and darkness and despair. And that's what the world will find out in the tribulation. And that's what hell is, really. People who say, I don't want God. They will exist without him and his goodness. It's important to see that the whole tribulation, starting with the opening of the seven seals in heaven, is a time of divine wrath and judgment. Some say that the wrath of God is just beginning at the mid-tribulation, or when the bowls of wrath are poured out. But Revelation 15, it says, the seven angels with the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So the seven bowls of wrath is the completion of the wrath of God, not the beginning of the wrath of God. It's clear that right from the start of the tribulation, it is Christ in heaven who initiates the tribulation judgments when he breaks the six seals, uh, right at the start of the tribulation. And so the wrath of God, the judgment of God, begins right from the start. That's why a better term for the tribulation is really the day of the Lord, a special time of divine intervention and judgment in human history. Yes, it involves great trouble, great tribulation and persecution, far beyond anything in the church age. But its special defining characteristic is that it's a time of divine judgment. 
That's what primarily marks it out from the church age. The first six seals also correspond to the birth pains that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. These birth pains that suddenly begin at the start of the tribulation and they continue and intensify throughout the tribulation until their climax at the second coming of Christ when the beautiful baby, the kingdom of God, will be manifested and born on the earth. The breaking of the six seals in heaven result, results in judgments being released on the earth. And this illustrates a repeating theme in the book of Revelation that events in heaven and earth are directly connected. And so this is shown by the constant motion between heaven and earth. First of all, the judgments from heaven are quickly manifested on the earth. And also, actions on earth, particularly against God, call forth judgments from heaven. Last time, we saw from Revelation 7 that there will be an interlude. After the first six seals are opened, there will be an interlude of a few months, probably, between the breaking of the first six seals at the start of the tribulation, and the breaking of the seventh seal, which contains the seven trumpet judgments. During this time, God prepares, he anoints, he seals 144,000 Israelite evangelists, and they will spearhead God's outreach program for the tribulation to the nations, resulting in a great soul harvest. And so they're going to minister under divine protection, even as God's judgments are being poured out. Once they're sealed, then it's time for the seventh seal to be broken, which releases the seven trumpets, which are direct judgments of God, rather than the indirect judgments that we saw under the sixth seal, when God removed his hand from the various realms of the world system. And so the seventh seal marks a new escalation of judgment. And, we all, and we'll also see that just as the seventh seal is an escalation from the first six seals, later that the seventh trumpet is also an escalation from the first six trumpets. In fact, God often uses this six plus one pattern to signify an intensification to a climax, as in Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 to 19. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. So the seventh, thing is an intensification of the evil of the first six things. And so here they are. Number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Number five, feet that are swift in running to evil. Number six, a false witness who speaks lies. And number seven, which is the thing being emphasized, you see, is one who sows discord among brethren. Why is the seventh sin so bad? It's a reminder of Satan's original rebellion when he went around all the angels sowing discord against God in order to make them reject and turn against God. So now we're ready to go to Revelation 8. After the interlude of Revelation 7, now that the 144,000 evangelists have been sealed by God, we are taken now back to heaven for the breaking of the seventh seal in Re Revelation 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And this sil silence points to an ominous anticipation of an escalation of judgment, confirming the impression that we get uh, from the interlude in Revelation 7, 
where preparations are being made before the intensified judgments under the seventh seal can be poured out. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And so the seventh seal releases the seven trumpets. Thus the seventh seal contains all the trumpets, all the judgments released by the seven trumpets, which include all the remaining judgments of the tribulation. The first six seals opened at the start of the tribulation, and they resulted in Christ removing his hand of grace from the different realms of the world system. But the seventh seal releases the direct judgments from God, bombardments from heaven, released by the blowing of the seven trumpets in succession. The seventh trumpet will mark a further escalation, for it contains the seven final bowls of wrath, which culminate in the second coming of Christ. So the picture presented in Revelation is a is continual escalation of judgment to give people as much opportunity as possible to repent. The first six seals are at the start, then the seventh seal after a few months, which releases the seven trumpets. And then the seventh trumpet is at mid-tribulation, and it brings in the great tribulation, and it sounds all the way through the great tribulation, releasing the remaining judgments, including the seven bowls of wrath. So we have an initial time period after the first six seals are opened, during which the 144,000 are prepared and sealed. Only then is the seventh seal broken, and the first trumpet is blown soon afterwards, releasing judgment. Therefore, the breaking of the seventh seal, followed immediately by the blowing of the first trumpet, corresponds with the start of the ministry of the 144,000 upon the earth. In other words, as soon as the, 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 they're ready, and they're sealed, and they start their ministry, that's the exact moment when the seventh seal is opened in heaven. The escalation in judgment, marked by the seventh seal, must be related to a significant event on earth involving a rejection of God's will, and that therefore causes this escalation in judgment. The only candidate for triggering this response from heaven is the deceptive seven-year covenant that Antichrist makes with Israel, which marks the start of Daniel's 70 weeks. And that's described in Daniel 9.27. It says, He, that's the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many, with the majority in Israel, for one seven, that is, seven years. In the middle of the seven years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now it's often assumed that the tribulation is identical to Daniel's 70, 70th week, and so it only starts when Israel makes this covenant with the Antichrist. But there's no scripture that actually says that. What scripture actually does say clearly in two places, is that the day of the Lord, or the tribulation, starts immediately after the rapture. And the rapture is an imminent event. That means it could happen at any time. Uh, and that's a big teaching of the scriptures. However, if the rapture and the start of the tribulation happened at the time, exact day of the Antichrist covenant, the rapture could not possibly be imminent because, of course, I know it couldn't happen today because I know that Antichrist covenant isn't about to happen. And if we don't, if we don't have imminence, then we contradict a major doctrine of the New Testament. 
And so therefore, because the rapture initiates the tribulation immediately, the solution has to be that there is an initial period of time between the rapture and the start of the tribulation and the Antichrist covenant, which begins the 70th week. Before we continue in the book of Revelation, I need to show you these two passages that teach that the tribulation actually begins on the same day as the rapture. The first comes from the teaching of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, 36. Jesus said, but of that day and hour of the rapture and the start of the tribulation, no one knows. It's imminent. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Here Jesus teaches that his coming in the rapture, before the tribulation, will be as in the days of Noah, before the flood. Number one, it's imminent. It could happen at any time, with no warning sign. Second, in, as in the days of Noah, there is a time of worldwide judgment. That's the, the key thing that is the parallel, a time of worldwide judgment. In Noah's day, it was the flood. And this flood, this worldwide flood, is a type of the day of the Lord or the tribulation, which is a worldwide time of judgment upon the earth. Third, as in the days of Noah before the flood suddenly fell, Life will be going on as normal before the coming of Christ in the rapture, which will then trigger, like in the times of Noah, which will trigger a worldwide judgment called the tribulation to suddenly fall upon the whole world. This is totally in contrast to the days before the second coming of Christ in power and glory, when, of course, the battle of Armageddon is going on, the seven bowls of wrath have been poured out, when all flesh is about to die, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 22. This is not life as normal. So what Jesus is talking about is not the days before the second coming, when he talks about the days of Noah before the flood, but it's the days that will be happening before the rapture. Life will be going on as normal. But the days, of course, before the second coming, life is anything but normal. So Jesus is talking about the time leading up to the coming of Christ in the rapture, then the tribulation flood of judgment will fall on the earth. That's what he's talking about. And so then, as in the days of Noah, the last event before the worldwide judgment falls will be the disappearance of the believers into Christ. Christ is our ark of salvation. And so, you see, what happened was, in the days of Noah, that Noah and his family, the believers, entered the ark, and then immediately the global flood fell. Jesus said this very same day. And so likewise, immediately after the believers disappear into Christ in the rapture, when he comes for them, then the tribulation flood will fall on the same day. It will fall on the whole earth the very same day. As in the days of Noah, the very day the believers are removed from the earth in the rapture, the flood of tribulation judgment will fall. And that's just as Jesus said in Matthew 24. He says, As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day 
that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so Jesus is saying that just like the flood fell on the same day, that the believers were removed to safety, so the tribulation flood will fall on the same day that the believers will be removed from the earth in the rapture. The fact that Jesus is talking about his coming in the rapture to take the believers to a place of safety with him before the tribulation flood is released on the earth is confirmed by what he said next. He said, then two men in, will be in the field, one taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Then Jesus strangely compared his coming in the rapture to the coming of a thief. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The analogy of a thief confirms that Jesus will come suddenly without warning, imminence. And he will come to take the precious things, that's the believers, from the house, while the house is still in the darkness. And that's different from his second coming, when he comes to take over the house and to flood it with his light. He's not actually a thief in the rapture, because he's actually just taking what belongs to him, those who've given their hearts to him, those he's purchased with his blood, and they have received him as their Lord and Saviour. But, although he's not actually a thief, to the world it will appear as if a thief had come as it wakes up and it discovers a billion people missing. So Paul also confirms, and this is the second passage, that the tribulation will start on the day of the rapture. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's the tribulation, so comes or begins as a thief in the night. And that's Jesus' reference to the rapture. So he says the tribulation will begin with the rapture. For when they say, that's the world says, peace and safety, normal life as in the days of Noah. He says when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction, that's the tribulation, comes upon them but not on, those, not on us who are, will be raptured. It comes on them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Remember, Jesus described the start of the, the tribulation as the sudden onset of labor pains. And they, notice, they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So notice, the, the believers will not experience it as a thief because they will be raptured. So both Paul and Jesus teach that the day of the Lord, the tribulation judgments, will actually begin on the same day as the rapture. But we won't experience Christ as the thief, we'll experience him as the bridegroom coming for his bride. So since the tribulation begins on the very day of the rapture, Daniel's 70th week, which starts with Israel's covenant with the Antichrist and which describes the final seven years leading up to the second coming, that cannot be, Daniel's 70th week, cannot be identical with the tribulation. 
as I said, because if the rapture and the start of the tribulation was on the same day as the Antichrist covenant, then we couldn't have imminence for the rapture. The only solution is to reject the assumption that the 70th week is identical with the tribulation. We have to reject that as false. Instead, we can say that the 70th week is the last seven years of the tribulation. Thus, there is a period of time, maybe just a few months, between the rapture and start of the tribulation and the start of the 70th week, uh, which, of course, is initiated by the signing of the Antichrist covenant. So, we have this order of events from Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians 5, and Daniel 9, 27. Number one, the rapture of the church, which is imminent. Number two, the day of the Lord, or tribulation, beginning on the very same day. Number three, the initial period of the tribulation, maybe just a few months, during which time the Antichrist is released and begins his rapid rise to power. And then fourthly, the start of Daniel's 70th week, which begins with Antichrist making that covenant with Israel. That marks the start of the final seven years of the tribulation leading up to the second coming. And this order of events agrees perfectly with what we found in the book of Revelation. Number one, the rapture of the church to heaven in chapter four. Number two, the judgments of the tribulation are immediately initiated from heaven as Christ opens the seven seals, the first six seals in Revelation five and six. Then third, the first seal that's opened releases the rider on the white horse, that's the Antichrist, who rapidly rises to power in these first few months. And then fourthly, at some point, he'll have sufficient power and be able to gain the confidence of Israel sufficiently that they put their trust in him and bind themselves to him in a covenant which initiates the 70th week. We've deduced that there's an initial period of time from the start of the tribulation to the Antichrist covenant, which starts the 70th week. Also in Revelation, we've identified an initial period of time between the start of the tribulation and when the seventh seal is opened. The obvious solution into which everything fits perfectly is that these are the same period of time. Both of these periods of time are the same. And so it is the covenant that Israel makes with the Antichrist in unbelief which calls forth the judgments of the seventh seal. This is the only event early in the tribulation that could possibly correspond to the seventh seal. This, this synchronism of the seventh seal with the start of Daniel's 70th week will be confirmed when we look at the ministry of the two witnesses in Revelation 11 because they minister in the temple for 1,260 days as a vital part of the temple ministry. This must be during the first half of the, of the 70th week. And so they start their ministry at the start of the 70th week, which is also when the seventh seal is opened and the first trumpet blown, and when the 144,000 start their ministry. In the Revelation 11.10, we read that when the Antichrist kills these two witnesses at mid-tribulation, it says the whole earth rejoices over them and has a party because these two prophets tormented all those who dwell on the earth. Why would these two prophets be blamed for troubling and tormenting everyone on the face of the earth? The only explanation is that they announced, they will announce and they will call down the, all the judgments of the first half of the tribulation especially the first six judgments, uh, trumpet judgments, um, with the cameras of the world, the TV cameras upon them, they will announce each judgment before it happens. 
and the whole world will hear about it, and then soon after, the trumpet will be blown and that judgment will be released on the earth. And so this ministry of the two witnesses fits perfectly, this aspect of their ministry fits perfectly with their ministry starting at the start of the 70th week, on the very same day as the Antichrist covenant on earth, and the breaking of the seventh seal and the blowing of the first trumpet happens in heaven in response to that evil covenant. It means that immediately after the Antichrist covenant is made, these two witnesses will suddenly appear on the Temple Mount and they will announce God's response, the breaking of the seventh seal and the release of the first trumpet judgment, which will fall sometime soon after on that very same day. What a dramatic way to launch their ministry and get the attention of the world. They will be clothed in sackcloth, preaching the gospel of Christ for the next three and a half years, warning of coming judgments and calling for repentance, especially for Israel. And every day the TV cameras will be on them as they announce the, the next judgment that's to come. No wonder when they die the world thinks they're off the hook. But they're just the messengers, not the cause of the judgment. I'd like to introduce you to two of my books that will lead you into a deep understanding of God's Word. The Panorama of Prophecy is my big book on end-time prophecy. It gives all the, the prophecies of the Bible and it will take you step by step into exploring this exciting part of God's Word. And also, The Keys of Time is the Bible chronology that describes the Bible from beginning to end and it, in its perfect timing, showing the sovereignty of God. You can get these books from www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by phoning us at 01865 515086. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. If you can partner with us or or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. Well, I trust you've been enjoying our series on the book of Revelation. And I just wanted to make you aware that I've also taught all the way through the book of Revelation as a CD series. And here we have three CD boxes with seven or eight CDs in each of them. And it takes you all the way through the book of Revelation. So if you want some further study on that, this wonderful book, I recommend these CDs. Each, each CD box is £20, but if you get them all together, you can get a discount, all three of them, for, uh, for £50 or £20 each. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.